Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to another episode of the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and with me I have Chris Vines. Hey, guys. It is very close to Thanksgiving. I know that there's a lot of people uh, going to be visiting family, spending time with them, maybe eating some turkey, enjoying all of those good things. Uh, one of the things that often happens around the holidays is that uh, you start watching Christmas movies. Maybe maybe you like the Hallmark movies. I'm not a big fan, but my wife is. Um, there are movies, however, though, that we love during the holidays. So, Chris, as we get started today, what's what are some of your favorite holiday movies? Oh, man. Love Home Alone. Absolutely love Home Alone. I like Christmas with the Cranks. Nice. Um, Elf. Elf is a good one. Oh, Elf is a great one. Uh, you know, one that's overlooked, but uh, but I, I like it. And that's Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> I can't remember the plot of that one. I mean, it's I mean, an it's, Ernest it's, movie. It's so. Ernest and he saves Christmas. It's, oh, there you go. <laughs> it's pretty much, there's, there's Ernest, there's a problem. It revolves around Christmas <laughs> and Ernest... Saves it saves in an it earnest out. fashion. So, <laughs> you know, there's probably there's probably a generation of people out there right now, like, like, because I, I I know that I'm at you know you're older than me. Yeah, we've covered that in previous yes. episodes. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of at this in between stage. You know, I'm I'm 31, 30, yeah, 31, and uh, but I think we have a lot of listeners that are probably in their mid 20s, maybe early 20s, who don't know who Ernest is. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So if you don't know who Ernest is, you need to figure out who Ernest is. Ernest, there's Ernest goes to camp. There's Ernest up in the air. There's Ernest saves Christmas. There's I think Ernest in the military now. <laughs> I mean, there's Ernest P. Whirl. Oh my know, gosh! They need to know who Ernest is. I do need to know who Ernest is. He started off as this guy from uh, TV commercials, and it just kind of went from there. So you need yes, check them out. Yeah. Well, for me, Christmas movies are. I guess I don't want to say a little bit older, but um, I do like the Christmas story. You'll shoot your eye out is a classic. And so I've got to mm-hmm. got to watch that at some point. I oh, love yeah. the Charlie Brown Christmas, but that's not really a movie. Um, and then it's a wonderful life. You know, but are we missing Die Hard? Should that be a Christmas movie or not? You know, I think that's a that's like one of those those ongoing, never ending debates. Um, I, I'm a, I'm going to admit something on on air, okay? I, I've never watched Die Hard. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've never watched Die Hard. Okay. I, I mean, I understand. I know the I know the plot. Yes. Uh, I mean, I I know, I know who it involves. You know, I mean, I, I get all that, but I've never I've never watched it from beginning to end. I've seen pieces of it. Just as I flip through the channels and I see that it's on, but I've never watched it beginning to end. You know, I think the 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 root of the uh, debate is: is it a Christmas movie because it happens during Christmas season in True. the in the plot of the movie? 
I think if that's your criteria, then that's your standard. Then yes, it is definitely a Christmas <laughs> movie. But if uh, if you've got a different standard, um, then yeah, you got problems. You know, I got to say, probably beyond any movies or anything like that that I'm going to watch during the holidays, uh, during the Thanksgiving holidays, is so I'm going to watch the Razorback game on that Friday right afterwards. I get to go to the game with my family. I'm super excited. Oh, you're going to the game. Play. I'm going to the game to watch wow. them play Mizzou. So That's amazing. That's great, man. So you're not Black Friday good. shopping? No, no, no. I'll do that online or not at all. Um <clears throat> I don't have any money to spend. My son is getting married in January. So that's true. true. That is, that's coming up. I saw a picture of him the other day. You know, the other thing about black Friday is COVID has just messed it up. Like Walmart. I walked in to Walmart randomly on like a Tuesday and there was like, it wasn't like crowded, but there was like, I could tell like the, the normal workers that I say hi to are in different spots. I'm like, why are you here? I asked them like they were standing in a weird spot. I like, why are you here? They're like, it's black Friday. I'm like, it's Tuesday. I said, yeah, but, you know, we're having a Black Friday event. We're having three of them. I'm like, are you kidding me? So, like, you're in, like, Walmart mega, uh, mecca, not mega, mecca uh, of Walmarts, you know. What's going on up there, Black Friday style? I walked into a Walmart yesterday and looked around and started seeing those things, those displays like they would have, but that was really it, you know. Yeah. I'm not paying attention. I need to because I got to save money, but you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Well, listen, this is certainly just random, random talk that we've fallen into today. And we want to get a little more focused. Um, You know, I've got, I've got to say my daughter is at Central Baptist college. She is in the process of putting together a podcast with one of her friends and there it's from the students of uh, Central Baptist college. Why go? Uh, what is even going on here? It's a abbreviation for that. And so it's nice. going to be, if you want to hear randomness, uh, when they release, be sure you've checked them out. Uh, but Central Baptist College has a lot to offer a lot of people. Um, if you're looking for a degree in just a wide range of things, whether it's ministry or any other uh, vocation, be sure and check them out at cbc.edu. Uh, they have a lot of things to offer. They're challenging, engaging, inspiring a great place for you to send your students. So check that out. And perhaps you need to finish up your bachelor's degree. You can do that through their PACE program and you can find out all that information at cbc.edu. Well, Chris, we want to kind of focus more in and we want to look at the call to ministry and what that looks like. I know that many of us in student ministry uh, maybe, and this wasn't the case for me, but I've heard about this on more than one occasion where uh, people are working with students, they've volunteered, they've become maybe the youth director in their church. They're a part of a, a couple that's really loving on students. And all of a sudden the guy realizes, Hey, God is calling me into ministry, full-time ministry. So we want to talk about that today. And how do you determine that call? How do you look at that? And maybe this is something that your students are trying to figure out. You know, I don't hear about it as much as, as I did back a few years ago, but God is still calling young men to be pastors. He's still calling young men and women to serve in lifetime vocational ministry to where they give themselves over to that. And we need to understand that and to be able to communicate with our students in that process. So to get us thinking about that, Chris, what did your call to ministry look like? My call to ministry, looking back on it, um, I think if you'd asked me that 
within the la- the first three years of my of me responding to the call to ministry, I, I would have had a different answer. But uh, looking back on it, it was a it was an ongoing process of being brought up in the church, of having different people uh, throughout my years in the church, but then also I went to a Christian school and being around diff- just different people that. Uh, were influential in my life spiritually, them affirming certain things mm. in my life and and never never pressuring me into any kind of decision, but uh, just gradually just affirming different things. And so that whenever I sense the Lord calling me to surrender, uh, and, and I would say just to, in that sense, I was, I, I didn't know full picture. I, I didn't know I didn't know what that meant, but I will say at 15 years old, I knew very clearly that the Lord was bringing me to a point of surrendering vocationally to him. I didn't, again, not knowing what that looked like as far as, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this could be missionary. This could be pastor. This could be a host of things, but to say, you know, Lord, yes, yes. You know, I'm giving up, you know, even at 15, I was beginning to think through, you know, what's next? I'm starting to think through what do I want to be when I grow up kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so that was on my mind. And I think the Lord providentially put it there. And and so whenever he He called me to surrender to him, it was a surrender vocationally. And, and it was just a simple yes. Um, and then from there, which I know we'll talk more about this, uh, it was more discipleship. My call to ministry was it, it did come to a point where um, the Lord uh, over over time of of me being in church and being in his word and having people around me affirming certain things and even steering me and discipling me, he brought me to a point where, where he, he, he basically just laid it out and said, uh, I want you to say yes to this. I want you to, to surrender your life vocationally to, to me. And, uh, and I said yes to that. And so that was for me, that's, that's, that's what the call to ministry looked like. And I would say that the call, uh, if we're going to be real technical about it, the Lord kept calling me. Um, and, 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 and the way I would describe that is if, if it started when I was 15 as, as a big general circle of call to vocational ministry, the Lord kept calling me in smaller circles and, and centering me into where I am today. Um, and so I would say the call to ministry is a, for me was a series of yeses and continues to be me putting my yes on the table. My story is similar yet different. And that's, that's usually what I find out when I, when I talk to men and women who have surrendered their lives to ministry, I think about mine. When I was in high school, I had dreams of being a professional photographer. I wanted to be photographer, national geographic. I was going to go all to these wild places and jungles and shoot wonderful pictures that people would just go ooh and awe over. Looking back, I kind of think, well, I hate bugs. I'm not really sure how I would have dealt with a jungle or any place that had large bugs. But that aside, I get to the middle of my senior year in high school and realize that God wanted something out of me. And and I wasn't really even quite sure. I, I just knew I was at Encounter 1989, to give you date reference. Uh, Encounter was a teen Bible conference that we had in, in Arkansas for churches of the Baptist Missionary Association. And we would gather together at that hotel there and a conference center and spend some time. And I just started thinking, okay, yeah, what do you want? So I surrendered my life to what I knew that he could use. I was a musician. I was in the band. And then so I thought, okay, well, 
student ministry or at the time youth ministry is more we call it those just go together the, the, and i couldn't have been farther from the truth those two things are hard to work together as as co-ministries but uh, that was still kind of the second guy position in a lot of churches and so i i, I went up forward surrender my life to that and that put me on a path to central baptist college uh, where i started digging into the word spending time there, growing in that. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, God doesn't just want the things that I can do. He doesn't just want my vocal and instrumental talents. He wants all of me. And so March 5th, 1991, in the floor of Rob Hager's dorm room, I knelt down and said, God, here's my yes. And I give it to you and whatever you want to do with it. Hmm. The next day in chapel, a good friend of mine who was who was speaking that day and he was talking about church planting. And I thought, Oh God, God's got all this figured out for me. And I had a chance to step through some church planting at one point, but really it was just a matter of saying yes to God and whatever. And so that point, and then it's gotten more and more narrow further into the circle, like what you've talked about. And so part of that process, but for us, vocational ministry is, is a calling. It is a specific call. Uh, there is that general call for everyone to this idea of, of salvation. Uh, God is calling us to that. He's also calling us all to ministry. Uh, we are all supposed to serve in the churches that we're placed in. But vocational ministry or what you hear a pastor speak about on this this call to ministry is much a little bit more specific. How, how would you describe that, Chris? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I think that gets to the center of really what we need to talk about because um, Ephesians 4 is very clear that the Lord gave certain people to particular, I'm going to use the word offices or roles within the church. Um, he gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists, he gave uh, shepherds. Um, in that case, I, you know, I understand that to be under shepherds, Jesus being our, our shepherd, and now we are under shepherds of him. And he gave, he gave the church those, those positions, those people, um, and I would argue in, in those leadership roles uh, from from God's word that he gave men to be those those uh, to fill those roles for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, which means, by the way, uh, time out real quick. We just a reminder our, our, our people. I, I work at a school. And so if you can hear kids in the background, it, it's just changing of classes and stuff. So, <laughs> all right. Time in. So the Lord, the Lord. You know, as a as a pastor, I, I have been called to my church for a particular purpose, and that is to equip the saints that are here in Hope, Arkansas, in Garrett Memorial Baptist Church, for the work of the ministry. Which means to me that I have a specific calling for our church, but then every person within our church has a calling to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that opens up the door of, OK, what is the work of the ministry? That's not this podcast. But the, the point of that is to say that every every believer is called to salvation first, like you just said, and then is called to uh, to serve the Lord within and even through, I believe, the local body of yeah. believers. All that being said, uh, what we're talking about today is that specific call to a particular role within the church, the call to ministry. To, we, we keep saying vocational ministry. Uh, that I want to clarify that I don't mean that to mean that it's a full-time, even though it is a full-time endeavor, but some of you guys listening are, are, are 
like part-time church, part-time or full-time work. You know, you're, you're working 40 hours and then you're serving the church in this role. And, and that's, that's fine. So when I say vocational ministry, I'm not saying that you've got to, you, you can't work another job and only work for the church. Um, some people are blessed to be able to do that. Um, others, others are not, um, just depending on where you are, where the Lord has, has placed you. But we are talking about that specific call to ministry. So to answer your question, um, how would I, how would I describe that? I would say that uh, the Lord specifically calls certain men to the role of elder and pastor, uh, deacons even, within the local body of believers within a local church. And so that's, I think, what we're talking about today. Now, if I'm off base a little bit, Dan, correct me. No, I think that's that's specifically what we're talking about today. You know, there are those times that God calls um women to different roles, but the role of pastor or elder, that is what we believe the scripture says is the role of a man. And so we're talking about, again, that are you being called to pastor? Are you being called to this this other role? And I, we go back to 1 Timothy 3, where we find the qualifications um, for, for somebody who holds that role of what the Bible refers to there as an overseer, but an elder, a pastor. Um, and so we look to those things. And, and so we, we just want to make sure that as you are trying to t- discern that in your own life, trying to determine, is, is that something God wants me to do? Then we're asking some good questions, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we have students who are asking those sort of questions like, mm-hmm. well, is God calling me into ministry? How am I supposed to do this? Uh, and, and truly on your own power, you're not. I mean, I, I, I've learned more dependence on God throughout this lifetime of serving him than I ever would have just my just existing. Uh, there, there's a lot of good ways and good things for us to think about um, in this, this regard. I've looked at uh, Dr. Jason Allen is the president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He has a, a book called Discern, Discerning Your Call. Um, but he also did an Ask the Experts video that you can find on YouTube. We'll put a link in our show notes. And he asked four great questions and that I, I want us to just kind of step through today. And then if we've got some other things to add, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But number one, if you're trying to discern, if you're being called to ministry, is there a desire? Do you, do you want that? Is that something that's on your heart? Uh, the Bible talks about that sort of thing that we is that you desire that that role to serve in that capacity, not out of selfish gain, you know. But it always strikes me as odd when I hear about guys who are running from their their calling that they and they've been doing it for years, and then all of a sudden God caught them. And so I I just don't know about that. I mean, I spent a lot of time at those early stages of my ministry are uh, the determining this calling. With that question of, does God want me for this? I want this. I want to serve in this capacity. And so was that similar with you, Chris? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, gosh, we're, we're getting into, I think, I think some really good stuff here. Um, and uh, and one of those conversations, I think, that, that could really could keep going. But just to affirm what you're saying, is there a desire? I, I think, I think Dr. Allen, I think that's a great question because in, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, where, where he starts in on the qualifications, the first thing that Paul writes to Timothy is this, that if any man aspires to the office of overseer, um, then he does, then it is a, a fine work he desires to do. Yeah. 
So there's there's an aspiration to that. So there's nothing wrong to aspire to be a pastor, to be an overseer. I mean, that's what he's talking about here, to be a leader within the church. Um, and and so I would say, I would say the answer to your question for me personally was, once I say yes, then then the Lord began to put that desire within my heart. Yeah. I wouldn't say that in the in the very instance that I said before I said yes, that I was like, yeah, I really, man, I really want to be a pastor one day. I, I wasn't really thinking in those terms. But as I as I just surrendered my life to 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 whatever the Lord would lead me to do, then what I found to be true was that scripture from Psalms where he says, When you submit yourself to the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, I believe the truth, the 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 way that, that is true is because when we're in full submission and full surrender to the Lord, the desires that he's going to grant are the very desires that he places within us. Paul in Philippians even talks about he how he's changing our wills, mm, right? Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, I believe that surrender, that submission to the Lord is is man, so important. And as, as we do that, he changes the desires of our heart um, and then begins to give us those desires. So to answer your question, yes, I, I did get to a point where the Lord gave me a, a deep desire to to be in the position of pastor in a church. Well, the second question that he talks about is, does your character measure up? So there may be a desire, but if your character doesn't measure up, then, then you're going to run into issues. Now, I will say, God uses imperfect people all the time. I'm an example of that. Chris would probably say he's an example of that. We all realize that we are not perfect. Uh, that's That's not what we're saying here. But in First Timothy 3, there are some character issues that are outlined there that, that just talk about, okay, do you line up to this, this, and this? And so I'd encourage you to check that out and kind of gauge where you're at. Do I line up to this passage of Scripture? Now, the third <laughs> thing that, that Dr. Allen talks about, is there a gifting? Do you find yourself being able to use the gifts that God has given you for the work of ministry? And so that's kind of where I found myself and my senior year of high school, realizing that God had allowed me to grow in my musical ability. And I thought, okay, well, God can use me here in this area. Is music a spiritual gift? No, but it kind of falls under some of the encouragement and some of the exhortation, those types of things. And so um, it, it kind of works there, but is it specific to that? Now um, it could be that you are a gifted speaker, you, your gifting is in leadership. Um, and so that may be what's going on. As a 15-year-old though, Chris, um, what sort of gifting did you see in your life? Did you see any? Again, this is one of those, this is one of those points where we have to, we have to be, we have to stick close to scripture on this. Yeah, definitely. Because, because every, every believer is given a gift, That's at least right. one gift. We're gifted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And we are given particular gifts. First uh, Peter four ten is is a place that I would go to prove that to show that yeah. um, not just as a proof text, but just where we learn that that truth. Uh, but then when it comes to qualifications of a of a pastor, when it comes to being called vocationally, um, one of the clear uh, qualifications is able to teach. That's right. So not every believer is gifted in this way. Now I think it's also important for us to note that that this able to teach is not the premier qualification. Uh, most oftentimes when, when a church is looking for a pastor, um, they're only concerned about one thing. It seems like a lot of times, uh, do we like the way they preach? Uh, yeah. do they sound good from behind the pulpit? Um, uh, you know, or, and, and 
there's a lot that we could talk about within that particular thing. But able to teach is uh, is a qualification. It's not it's not the top of the list even. It is important. But when it comes to the this uh, this conversation of gifting, I, I think when we're thinking specifically about the qualification of a pastor, uh, this gift must be present. Um, it doesn't mean that they 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 can they're, they're the best teacher in the world, but are they able to teach? Um, and so if I have a person come up to me and they've they've never taught before, they've never exercised that gift, and all of a sudden they say, hey, you know, I want to be a I want to be a preacher here in this church. You know, I feel God calling me to that. Okay, I'm not denying that the Lord might be calling you to do that, but let's let's see if you're able to teach, you know, um, and and so again that that comes with a, a little bit more explanation probably needed, but I, I think the point is clear that yeah, there needs to be gifting, but more specifically, I think there needs to be the gifting of able to teach because as you read through the as you read through the qualifications, you you don't really see in my in, in, as I read it, you don't really see a lot of other quote unquote gifts being right, mentioned. Right. Right. So yeah. I, I think that's where we have to stick close to scripture and say, yeah, are you able to teach? Uh, is this something that the Lord has gifted you in? And and then we can go from there. It is a big thing. We at our church have shepherd leaders, which uh, many church refer to them as elders. Um, but one of those things is those men must be able to teach. Yep. That's just a qualification that we find. Yeah. And, you know, and Dan, I, I think, I think we would, you know, um, again, there, there's not, everybody's going to agree with me um, or agree sure. with you on, on this. Um, I hope that we can all agree on scripture, but, but my defense for this one particular gift, because some might say, well, you know, I, I don't teach within my church, but I'm able to lead, you know, I'm able to manage, I'm able to do all of these things. <clears throat> and I, that, that's great that the church needs people, um, to, to lead in various ways and to, to manage even certain things. But, but we're talking about a particular role within the church as overseer, as right. pastor, right. As, yeah. as leader, yeah. as shepherd, under shepherd. Um, and, and very specifically, you must be able to teach. And so why, how does that all flow? Because again, Ephesians four, if, if we are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, one of the main ways that we equip the saints is by teaching. Teaching what? Well, not just our thoughts, but right. what, what we're getting to here is being able to rightly divide the Word of God, um, being able to teach God's Word in a way that is understandable but um, uh, applicable to our to our people so that they may do the work of the ministry for the glory of God. And whether we are teaching students, we're teaching adults, uh, children, Whatever that is, we must be able to teach. So, so far, the, the questions that Dr. Allen asked and have you consider are these. That, is there a desire? Does your character measure up? Is there a gifting? And the last one that we want to talk about is number four. Does your church affirm your calling? Ministry is done through the local church. That is God's choice. That's how he works in our world. I love parachurch organizations. They are beneficial. They are helpful. Really, Student Ministry Matters is that. It's a parachurch organization that is sponsored by a group of churches. But your church is the people. That is where God has placed you. Those are, those are that have, he's given you to. Um, so does your church affirm your calling? Uh, no, this is this is of utmost importance. Um, you know, we, we in Baptist world, 
kind of have a two-step process, it seems like. Uh, we'll call it the Baptist two-step. And uh, I don't know if anybody's ever called it that before. So if I'm, I don't know, but you I'm just play, have. If so. I'm plagiarizing, sorry. Um, the, you know, when it comes to if, if a young man uh, or not even a young man, but if a man comes to uh, the church and says, hey, I'm called to ministry, um, then usually the first step is a licensing process, it seems to be, for, for the Baptist. Uh, you know, it's a certificate of license saying the church recognizes that you are uh, called to this particular, uh, you know, this to ministry, basically. Right, and and right. I would say that's a that's a form of affirmation it is affirmation. Yeah. Uh, but it's right. a corporate it's a corporate affirmation. And so. I believe that's important. Uh, I believe the church needs to give a stamp of of, of approval on a particular calling. Um, I think it's important to think through individual affirmations. I mean, if so, if 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 you say, "Hey, the Lord's calling me to ministry," but nobody in your life ever saw that coming, <laughs> I got questions about that. I'm yeah. not saying the Lord can't do radical things. I believe He can. Um, you, you, we would often appeal to the Apostle Paul and say, "Well, we never saw that coming," you know. Um, well, I would say first he, he was saved. His his salvation was what uh, what was surprising. His conversion, right? No one yeah. expected him to be converted, and then of course nobody expected him to be be called to a particular apostleship either. But the the point in this scenario is this: that if 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 just out of the blue one day you go to a church camp or you go to a conference and all of a sudden you just say, you know what, I'm I'm surrendered to to, to the ministry. I am not at all going to deny that. But here's the thing, we're not going to, or at least I, I say we, I'm not going to just throw that person into a pulpit and say, all right, have at it. You know, um, <laughs> there has to be, there has to be discipleship and, and there, there must be discipleship. I, I'll be, uh, I'll be very, I'm very convicted on this point because there needs to be, as we're talking about here, uh, an affirming aspect um, in that call. And, and so I'm not going to, I'm not going to doubt that a person has been called by God. That's not my position, but my position as a pastor and as a disciple maker is to say, okay, let's, let's work that out. Let's, let's look at the qualifications. Mm, yeah. Do you meet yeah. these qualifications that you say that the Lord's calling you to be a pastor? Do you meet these qualifications? Um, and, and then let's, let's start working from there. And, uh, so I, I think, I think we in Baptist world need to be a little bit more, uh, hesitant sometimes and consider what the qualifications also say when it says, you know, uh, don't that, that this person who's called to this particular office doesn't mean, need to be a new convert. That's right. Um, yeah. And so that he won't be conceited. And so I think there's, there's something we need to consider there. But, you know, I said there's a Baptist two step. The second step, just quickly, is um, what we call ordination. And, and I think that's a more, uh, a more pointed affirmation of the church. Where, where the church says, you know, we've examined your life and you've got a body of elders, right? Who say, we've right. examined your life. We've examined your teaching. We've examined your doctrine. Um, you meet these qualifications and we affirm that the Lord has called you to, to this role as pastor, not just generally called to ministry, but to this role as pastor. So that's the Baptist two-step. I love that. Yeah. But it, that one, definitely, the ordination service is all about the local church. You're being ordained by that church to serve yeah. there. You're being yeah. set aside or set apart for that work. Yeah, and, and just man, to be clear, it, just to be clear, I, I believe ordination. I believe that what what we what I just described, what we think about an ordination, I believe that's biblical. I believe yeah. the the licensing. I believe that's 
that's extra biblical. <laughs> I don't think we see that in scripture anywhere. doesn't mean that it's wrong, but just to be clear, like I believe it's important for the, the ordaining of a yeah. church, you know, affirming this in a person's life. So it is, I think about behind me on the wall, I have some certificates. I have a certificate of ordination from my church, uh, from Temple Baptist Church in, mm-hmm. in Rogers, um, where I was ordained. Um, but then I also have a certificate of license from Antioch Baptist Church in Conway. Mm-hmm. And they had put a stamp of approval on my ministry at that point saying, hey, we affirm what God is doing in his life, and we want him to exercise those gifts as he mm-hmm. seeks that next step. Yeah, And so, you know, it, it, that... Affirmation needs to come from your local church. God has used the local church and is using the local church to impact the world. And that's where he has placed you. And so we need to know that those people see those gifts. Uh, God is using the Holy Spirit through them to affirm. And so we need those things. Well, Dr. Allen has shared, uh, again, those four things. Is there a desire? Does your your character measure up? Is there a gifting? Does your church affirm your calling? And Chris and I just want to say that um, we are praying that if you are considering um, a full-time or not necessarily full-time, but vocational ministry as your calling in life, uh, that you will be, take it serious, that you will look to those around you. You will seek those in your church that you honor and you respect and just uh, speak to them about this. Um, mm-hmm. Step through that process. Put your yes on the table. I love that. Put your yes on the table and God will put it on the map. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just love that. Yeah. Chris, what would you add to this conversation? Just to reiterate what you just said, according to God's word, First Timothy 3, 1, if, if you desire, if you aspire to be an overseer in your church, then you are desiring a, a noble uh, or a fine thing. That's what yeah. God's Word says. Yeah, um, I don't believe there's any higher calling um, on a person's life than to be uh, in a position where you are shepherding um, a, a group of people uh, for their good and for the glory of God. Uh, you are you are aspiring to a very noble, fine thing, but also within that, I hope you hear the the gravitas. I mean, just the the seriousness of that. Um, mm. This is working in a church, and this is probably the last thing I need to say. But working in a church is possible apart from a calling. Right? We have we have secretaries, we have social media managers, we've got different people that can work in a church setting, in a church environment that are not necessarily called to the office of overseer. But if you're a person who is going to take the title of pastor, if you're a person that's going to take the title of elder, then you must be called by God to do this. There, there's, You don't just put in a resume one day and think, you know what, I can do that. I'll make some money doing that way. That'll be my vocation. This is a, this is a calling. Um, and we can over-spiritualize that idea. I know we can. Uh, we can do a lot of things with that word call. But I, I, will, I will say this very clearly, that uh, if you are going to be a pastor, if you're going to take that title, then you desire a noble thing. But you also are desiring a very, uh, a very sacred thing, I believe, a very important role, um, one that is not to be taken lightly, one that you can't just simply... Um, hop in and hop out of. And that that's important, I believe, especially in our culture today, because we've got a lot of people who I think are, in a sense, hopping into ministry, 
without any kind of calling on their life. And they're taking the title of pastor and, and they're doing a lot of work within the church. And, but they've never been called by God to pastor people. And gosh, I'm just keep going. But let me just say this. If you are called to pastor people, then that changes the way you look about look at youth ministry. Youth ministry oftentimes is seen as lesser uh, ministry because it's in, in corporate America, it's seen as low man on the totem pole looking to climb up. And you're going and a lot of people see youth ministry as a place where you're going to prove yourself in order to be a real pastor one day. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about that a little bit before. Yeah. And, and so listen, if I know you may not, those who are listening, you may not see youth ministry that way, but some of you may, and some of the people that are in your church may see you that way. And my encouragement to you is to consider your calling. And, and the first place I would drive you to is look at the qualifications, look at the qualifications. You may aspire to be an overseer. You may aspire to be a pastor, but do you meet these qualifications? Because there's qualifications for a reason. I can be a I can be a social media manager. Um, I can be a team leader. I can be a lot of different things within my church, apart from being qualified to being a pastor. Some might argue with me on that point, but I, but I, I'll just say it that way. So the qualifications are there for a reason, and so don't cheapen your role as a youth pastor by thinking that you can do that apart from a a real calling of God on your life. I probably should just stop there. That's a great word, Chris. Um, youth ministry, man, if you are a youth pastor, if God has called you into ministry and that is the role and he has put those people, those young people under your watch and care, uh, there's a great weight. There's a great responsibility that you have to make sure that you are rightly dividing the word, that you are loving on them, that you are sharing with them the truth of scripture. Well, Guys, we, again, could talk about this for a while because this is an important issue, uh, but we want to go ahead and wrap up today. And let me just say uh, thank you for listening. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, be sure and share that on social media and other places. Let other youth pastors know, other student ministry workers know about us. You can do that by leaving a review and a rating in whatever platform you're enjoying uh, but we just want to invite you to, to continue the conversation with us because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.